Hello, hello, and welcome back to Think Torah. This is episode three of a series we call Around the Shabbos Table. If this is your first time here, you can go back and listen to the older episodes. It is really evergreen content, and the conversation should be able to last uh, any week. It's not connected to the Parsha specifically, so go have a good time and enjoy these episodes. I hope you have as much of a good time listening to it as I did creating it. Think Torah is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, which is my network of podcasters trying to spread quality content, both in production quality and in Torah quality, in the podcast sphere. If you would like to advertise with us, you can reach out to us through the website at intentionaljew.com. Today, I want to bring you an awesome product I saw. And if you have not heard of Eitan Katz or his music, then maybe it's time you should. And Eitan's created a really awesome little nifty product for us that if you have a... He's created a USB stick with 10 of his CDs on it. Now, when I originally saw this, I said, 10? I thought he has much more and the many singles and other collaborations that he's had. And you all know that I'm a Spotify guy, so jump over to Spotify and you see it all there. But I really thought that... And, and I was I was blown away by this product because... In the age of having everything, and you can get anything online, sometimes we lack something. And that's what this says. This says something specific. And there's value to something specific, to just 10 albums on this nifty little USB stick. So if you're interested, you should go check it out at atoncats.com forward slash USB. Today we have a really cool discussion, my father and I, about um, Sfarim and holy books. We have a discussion, it gets into Hanukkah, and uh, it gets a little bit deep into the way we perform mitzvos for, uh, to engage others. Um, and my father has a really cool insight on engaging others in our personal mitzvah observance. So feel free, break out of L'chaim, it's Tuesday, reheat some chalent. And just enjoy this episode around the Shabbos table. This is a very exciting episode. This is the first episode that my father, Rabbi Wogelinter, and I are doing live in person in our studio. It's a studio slash library. But I think library cheapens it. I don't think it's a library. I think this is a, I feel like I'm inside of a safer. And for some context here, we, um, my father recently moved to Eretz Yisrael and he just got all of his svarim here on his lift. And he built a beautiful little library and he put all of his svarim in here. So it's doubling as our studio, as much as I want to say that the main purpose is our studio and the side is for the svarim, but it's uh the, it's doubling as our studio, which is very exciting. So we get to do a live episode here, which is uh, which is really cool and amazing. And it's an amazing feeling to feel like you're inside of a safer. It was it was a really cool experience going through it with you, Daddy, um, going through all of these books and putting them on. And and each safer had a story, and each safer had a had a vort behind it, and had something that was significant and important about it. And that was, a, that was a, a meaningful experience for me to go through with you. I heard this week where Dennis Prager was sitting on one of his new YouTube uh, 
YouTube videos and he was a fireside chat and he was sitting there talking about um, re responding to tweets. It was relevant what he was talking about, but he was sitting also in a library and he said he loves books. And even if he doesn't read them or even if he walks into a room and the person hasn't read all the books, it shows that they're, in my words, machshiv chachma, that they respect knowledge and wisdom and that's important to them. And uh, I really, I, I like that. I liked what he said. And I feel that same way as when you're sitting around, I'm looking here, a Shulchan Aruch. I haven't gone through the Shulchan Aruch, but I know that, you know, as I say things, I know I got to stay within a certain guideline here because I have something looking at me. It's a certain conscience and a certain wisdom that speaks to you from the shelves. I would take it in a few different ways. The, the first is being surrounded by Sfarim reminds you exactly what, what your life is all about. It reminds you of the direction of your life. That, that every single safer that's on here has another another piece of input into who you should be, what you should be. And and like you said, and you said it beautifully, that these are the things that we machshev. My jewels are sitting around me. The most the most important, precious things, material things that I have are sitting around me. The other most precious thing, which is my children, is being represented here also. But um, but, but but looking at my svarim, just... Just looking at, just being surrounded by them is a constant reminder that this is a direction that our life has to go. But I want to tell you something amazing, that sitting inside of Svarim is really You the feel first, that way, right? Where you're like, you're inside of a Sefer. I'm inside here. of a Sefer, yeah. yeah. And that's the first step towards Chachmah. This is a, a, a Peldiga thing that um, the Rabbeinu Yana says that the first step to being a Chacham is to love learning. And if a person loves learning, so then that's already called a Chacham. It, it's, not, it's not a Tama Chacham. It's not a person. You don't have anything inside your head, but you have that first step towards desiring to acquire Chachma, to acquire knowledge, is a love of learning and a love of Svarim, a love of books, a love of being surrounded by that. That's part of the steps in the process of becoming a Chacham. You know, like you said, every book here has a has a story. There's um I wish I could hold up I could hold up my svarim, but I have a I have a few prize svarim. I have a two svarim from seventeen seventy six. I have um not here with me, but I have a Pnei Yoshua and a Rambam from the mid eighteen hundreds. Um, like really amazing, just the, the, the safer, just holding it, knowing knowing the generations of people sat and learnt by these svarim, not just kept them on their bookshelves, is really, really incredible. I got those from my grandfather. But it's not the age of the safer that speaks to you, it's the usage of it's it. It's the usage, you know, that, that this was something, I have an Orch HaShulchan that was in my father's house and that, and that, that was beaten up like, you know, it was really, really well used. And it was such a, you know, such an, an honor for me when I got that Sefer. But I'll tell you, one of the Sefarim that really, that really touches me is um, my, my Gemara Chagiga, which I have here with me. It's, it's a Gemara that was printed in 1940, I think it was 46, in Munich, Germany. And it was printed by the Vada Tzala. And... It was it was printed with a letter on the inside. It's a tiny, it's a little gemara. It's a chagiga. Is it the orange one? No, the orange one. Yeah, and it's got a letter from the Vadatzala, which is basically encouraging people to get back into their limanat Torah, and 
the, and it's got a, a cal, Dafyemi calendar for I think it's the third or fourth cycle of Dafyemi. Wow. And it's every time I touch the Gemara, it's like an emotional experience to me. Not just because I, I learned Dafyomi, but to know that that after the war, that's what the Vanatsolo was involved in. This is what people were involved in, of giving their lives up to, to make sure to be Mechaya Mesim and get people back into their Limara Torah, back into their schedules, back into into the things that they were doing before the war. It's really an incredible thing. I, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but I, I the Gemara, I, I kept it right behind me in the dining room where, where we lived. And we talk about it, I think, every third Shabbos and show it to people. And and people always got a big chizik from it. And then I, I lost the sefer. I just don't have it. Like, like it disappeared into thin air. And it was literally, it always sat behind me. I don't know, maybe one of the maids moved it, whatever. So I looked in, in other svarim that were orange because I figured that's the way they would put it into the thing or, or things that were thin and, and small like that. So I looked. I couldn't know nowhere. So one Shabbos, I got a hamudio. And I'm reading the Amudiyah, the Indian magazine, and they have an article about these Gemaras. Like this and set. The, 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 all these Gemaras that were printed in 1947. And in it, it says that there's only a few of them left in the world. And I'm thinking, what an idiot. I had this mamish, it's a prized possession on so many levels. I lost this Gemara. I can't believe it. I was really feeling terrible. I closed the Indian magazine. I turned around to get up to go to, to, go to sleep. And sitting on the shelf right in front of me was that Kamara. And since then, I've I have no idea I know idea where it came from. And it was sitting like facing outwards, not not in the shelf, but like in front of in front of other books, as if as if it was just put right back there. I have no idea. I'm not into the heebie jeebies, but all I can tell you is that that's what happened. I promise you there's no heebie jeebies with the Hamadiyah. I promise. Yes. <laughs> this is not the moral of the story. <laughs> And I, but but since then I've I've kept a, a close tab on that safer. I saw it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought it. I brought it with me. It's um, yeah. It's a it's a valuable safer. That's fascinating. Maybe we'll do a uh, uh, maybe we'll do a set on that. Like just the uh, like a series on the sperm that are the meaningful sperm kind of thing. We'll we'll throw that in. Yeah, I mean a lot of when I look around these sperm, I could tell you when I bought them. I could tell you which trip to soil I bought them on. So a lot of these farms I bought here, and then they they ended up coming back here. Right, but, uh, right. the the amount of uh, suitcases we broke bringing farm back to right. California, and uh, then, stuffing them up. And then I have my other favorite, which is the the mouse the the, the um, mouse prince. Right on the on the Mat-Nas 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 Oh, wasn't on the Misham Sukkah? No, no, it was in the Matnas Chaim. No, the Misham Sukkah I lost. Yeah, Misham Sukkah I lost. Lost. It's gone. All right, you hear you heard it here first, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, that that was the that was that, part of our sukkahs for many. That, that was part that of was our, our sukkahs. That was part of Yerusha. That's right. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, so awesome. So that's the significance of where we are and what we're doing here. And uh, so we're sitting here at the the threshold of Hanukkah. Unless you want to continue. Yeah, with that, you uh, know, I could talk about Svarim forever, but but I really want to talk about Hanukkah because. I want to know what's what's in people's minds on Hanukkah. The 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 Hamayin Am, and you have when you say the Hamayin Am, you have the you know B'nai Torah religious Hamayin Am. Then you have the more secular Hamayin Am. But what are they? What 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 are they? How are they relating to Hanukkah? 
I, I know I relate to Hanukkah. I know what I tried to work on on Hanukkah, which maybe we'll talk about either today or some other time. But 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 what are what what is in the minds of the Hamaynam? Hanukkah is coming two days away, right? People are preparing. There's a there's a buzz in the air. There's a there's a feeling Hanukkah is coming. They're looking forward not just to vacation, but but to, to celebrating Hanukkah. What are they celebrating? Right. The the thought that comes to my mind without any preliminary like. Uh, you know, work and a vote on it is always Nisim. And you celebrate the fact that we have the ability to see or to appreciate Nisim. Um, Nisim are being done all around us and and we have that we have that ability to see them. Uh that's that's what always comes out to me. But so so I think that that's only for the thinking person. You know, I think a person who stops to think about it, I think that's what that that's where they'll go and they'll go deeper and further. But but I'm talking about really for the average person who's not a thinking person, mitz observant. He's going to go and he's going to light the light the lights. What's he What's he thinking about? Not necessarily a bentaru who's been preparing and you know looking up svar. But but the average an average Jew, I mean, a guy with just an average Jew in the street. What does he think about Hanukkah? Well, so I'll turn it to you. What 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 what's been your experience with these? You know, so as a as a rabbi of these of people who you're trying to inspire. So what did you um, experience from from people's right. So I think that that for a lot of people, Hanukkah is about you know like another time where God saved the Jewish people, where a miracle happened to to us in the past, and maybe even take it to the level of how lucky we are that that you know that that miracles happen to us, and that you know we're part of the Jewish people, and the Jewish people are are strong and here, and you know we're still around. But it's 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 about I think that Hanukkah for many people is about Jewish pride. I think for more secular people, Hanukkah is about um, religious freedom, and that they see the Chashmonaim coming into the temple to exercise religious freedom, and they don't realize that that really anybody who believes in religious freedom, meaning that you know I can do it, I can do it any way I want, and that we're all free to to express our Judaism any way we want don't realize that they have the Hanukkah, they're part of the group that was thrown out of the temple. They weren't part of the Hashmonoim that came into right. the temple. They were represented by the people the Hashmonoim were fighting against, was the, the Hellenists, that were ultimately tossed out of the temple. But I think that, that I think that people, because, because the essence of Hanukkah is a little bit a, a little bit difficult, I think that people have a little bit rewritten Hanukkah. That it's just about a, a Jewish pride thing, and it's about you know the, the the Jews we see in the candles the eternity of the Jewish people, which is not a wrong message, but it's not the the whole story of Hanukkah, right? Also, something that you you mentioned was that there is this recognition of that God saved us, but I you know I once heard a, a great little ditty from uh, Rabbi Rabbi Howard from Baltimore, he was from Baltimore, but he he, um, he said there's so many psukim or so many ideas that we only take half of them. And we don't finish the sentence. And one of them was, I don't know if this is what he meant, but for me, this is is always this. Bayamim Ahim. So God did miracles in their days. And then it stops there. And then it's hard to connect because God did miracles for them, for the Hashmanayim back then. Right. But what about what about now? Right. And and we don't so, finish the sentence to say. Well, the so, Bismanazeh, the simple pshat of Bismanazeh is. That that Bayomimahim in those days, Bazmanazeh at this time, this tkufa of the year. That, okay. That's that's the Pshat. 
So as a child, I, I, I always had in my mind those days and in our days. And then as I started learning, I realized that that's not the right shot. And then I saw Levush. And yeah. Levush says, it's by Yom and Mahim Ubasman Azeh. Yeah, right. That's the that's the proper way of saying it, and and even if it's even if it's drush, meaning even if it's not the simple meaning, there's an understanding there that that a way to connect to the nisim that happened the same way as by Yitzias Mitzrayim by the, the the Exodus of Egypt, we we leave and the mandate is on us to feel as if we leave today. The same thing is with the nisim and with the miracles that happened in the in the in the the temple during the times of the of um, of Hanukkah. That we have to see those nisim and that they play out for us today as well. Right. And it's very hard to connect if you're just connecting to Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and to the nase of Hanukkah. So right. it has to be that it has some, uh, uh, that it replays itself today. Right. It's, I, I think that, that one of the things to focus on, there's, there's a bunch of things to focus on in Hanukkah, but one of the themes of Hanukkah is it's the thank you Hashem holiday. And that it's, and that it's, about, it's about being able to see the Yad Hashem in every single thing that goes on. And the 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 fascinating thing, you know, there's a Ramban that talks about that we have to, to say over always the big miracles. We talk about Yitzhiya Smutsayim, we talk about um, every day we talk about Kriyas Yamsuf, because you have to you have, you have to be able to be Melumid Benisim, because when you see the big miracles, then you'll be able to recognize all the small miracles. There's by Shir Sayyam, and, and I'm sure you've heard me say this, but by Shir Sayyam, you know, it says, Besoch Yam Biabasha. So everybody asks the kasha. What? What? It well, says just it twice. Explain. That the Jewish people walked through in the middle of the sea, on dry land, and then it says another time when it says the same phrase. It says that we walked through on dry land in the middle of the sea. Now, why would you have to switch that? Why wouldn't it say if it says it twice in the Torah? Why wouldn't it say that we walked? We were in the middle of the sea. We were walking on dry land. And in the middle of the sea, we were walking on dry land. Why do you have to say one time that we were in the middle of the sea and we it was like we were on dry land, and the other time was we were on dry land when we were in the middle of the sea? The point is exactly the same. So what are you switching it for? So the reason is because there, the, there are times where we're in the middle of a miracle, right? We were walking through the sea. We were we were in the middle of the, the, the raging sea, and we were able to recognize while we're in this huge... This event of the of the raging sea, we were able to feel like we were on Yabasha, like we were on dry land. But but it's not always like that. It's not always these big miracles. Sometimes we're on Yabasha, we're on dry land, and we need to feel like we're Besachayam, like we're also inside of the miracle. And therefore the, the Torah the Torah switches it to tell us that when there are big miracles, we have to open our eyes to see the big miracles. When we're Besachayam, you have to realize you're on Yabasha. But you know what? Sometimes when you're on Yabasha, if you if you can feel it when you're in the Seichayam, then you'll be able to feel while you're on Yabasha in your regular life. Things regular going on, you'll be able to feel like you're Seichayam, like you're mamish in the middle of a raging sea and a miracle is happening for you. And that's, I think that that's Hanukkah, that we talk about the miracle, we talk about all the awesome things that went on, we darshan about, it's a seven-day miracle, it should really, but why was it eight days, it's really only a seven-day miracle, we give all these answers and we're, we we blow the miracle up, that when they poured the the oil in, only an eighth of it left the jug every day, or, or when they poured it in, so that only an eighth of it burnt, and we, we blow up that miracle. And the reason we do that is so that we can use the light of that miracle to be able to look into our own lives and to be able to see, wow, 
you know, I, I got stuff going on here every day. There's there's miracles going on all the time. And that that my life by that my life is is filled with miracles. And I think that's an important that's an important theme, which I'm not sure is so accentuated. And again, I'm not talking about amongst the, the B'nai Torah that are darshaning and that are looking for, you know, meaning. Well, hopefully, the, a lot of times we get lost in the, in the I'm, right, you know, I'm, halachic minutia as well. So right, we, I'm giving benefit of that. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it was important the, for anybody. That's the idea. The idea is that wherever wherever our listener is from, the, the voda here and the, the, um, the work that needs to be done needs to, whether you light menorah or don't light menorah, so if you're coming, you have to come now to figure out the best way to halachically uh, light the menorah, then you can add this this idea into your Hanukkah. And if you're lighting the menorah six different places with six different things and you're doing it all um, halachically co- correct, so then you can also add this. There's place to add right. this understanding into every level. of. That's right. Stop while you're lighting, while you're lighting candles, while you're lighting the menorah. And you know, after, you, after you make your brachas, after you light, alanisim, you sing your songs, great. Just spend one minute looking at the lights and letting those lights light up your life. Look at those lights and say, where are my miracles? It'll take you longer than a minute. But dedicate one minute. Where are my miracles? Where are the miracles that Akash Baruch Hu does me? Then when you sit down to say Hallel and to say Alanisim, It'll take on a different context. Because you're not just talking about thank you for then. You're talking about thank you for now. Right. I wonder uh, if, yeah, I'm trying to source this a bit, but like, wh- what would you say? How come it's, it's, um, we mentioned this, I mentioned this before that by Pesach, it's Chayv Adam Liros Atzmo Kilu Yatsam in Mitzrayim. That a person, ha- there's a specific clause that says a person needs to feel as if he, he left. But by the other Chagim, it doesn't necessarily exist like that. Now, we we darshan and we say that it exists because that's a way, an important way to connect to the, to the what's happening, to make it relevant to your life. But I wonder why, why it doesn't exist like that. Maybe it's a part of the mitzvah of Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, that the, the Sipur of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim has to be so real that that you actually feel like you were part of that, and that you left Mitzrayim. It's a it's a maybe a a, a chelik of the obligation of Sipriyitzis Mitzrayim. Whereas by Hanukkah, there's there's pursume nisa. You need to go and scream about it, and it needs to be uh, publicized. But the sipor of the story is not as important. The pursume nisa is not verbal on Hanukkah. Right, the presuming proverbial nisa. screaming. That's the, yeah, yeah, no, no, I understand, but I'm saying the the the, the sipur on the the um, presuming nisa on Hanukkah is showing, is letting them is letting them see it and letting the world see it. I think it's a different a different obligation than on Pesach. There's another there's another theme also that that I think is important to spend a little time on on Hanukkah. And that's the theme of that, you know, and we're still burning bright. They've tried to snuff our candles out. They've tried to stuff our light out. 
in every single generation. And and look at me. I'm standing in La Jolla, California. I'm standing in, you know, Butte, Montana. I'm standing in Houston, Texas. I'm standing in Yushalayim, in Modiin. And the lights are bright. And that no matter what they tried, and what every single enemy tried to do to us, and what we tried to do to us, you know, we, we, the, the, this, we got to take a little bit of credit for that also, of, of snuffing out our own lights. But at the end of the day, the lights are burning pretty bright. Right. Yeah, it's also, it's cool because it, it the Omdim Aleinu Lechalaseinu here on Hanukkah is a um, ideological Chalaseinu. Well, it was also trying to destroy Judaism by its core, but it was, it wasn't physical, which is correct. You know, the difference, the difference between Purim. Hanukkah and right. Purim, right? Right. It was it was ideological, but that's what I'm saying. That ideologically, we're still lighting lights, because we're still we're still worried about Hadlokas Neiros. We're still worried about lighting the lights. Look, remember, I was hanging out in you know in, in, in Eckfeld for uh, for 33 years, and and it was it was far away, but but people. There was still a tremendous connection, even for people that had very little other connection other than um, a guilt-ridden Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. You know, short of that, there was there was very little connection, very little you know daily kind of of religious connection. Hanukkah was a very important holiday. That's so cool. I'll just speak to um, when you were in California, you 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 brought a box, a, a menorah box. And you lit it outside your door. Probably the only one in in La Jolla who lit outside. What, what, just in in the context of what we're talking about, that this is we're showing the Persume Nisa is that that we're still around. The nace happened, and the nace keeps us around today. How significant was that for you to light the uh, to light the menorah outside in a place where it wasn't seen right. in in Eretz Yisrael, even in here in Modin, it's seen. You see it. Everyone has, so it's not yeah. as significant. What, what was that experience like? So, I'm not into. Um, I'm I'm not into going into the malls and into the streets lighting lighting menorahs. I'm not I'm not putting it down. I'm just it, it's not my, it's not my thing, and it doesn't send me. But but I remember one of my rebellion, very very chashvatamachachim. Who lived in Borough Park, and uh, he lit menorah outside. And when I saw it, he lit it in a box, like in like, like you know the Rigur in Eretz Yisrael. But when I saw that, I was very very moved by it, because it was it was your lighting. It was you weren't going outside of your lighting. There were no shilas about brachas. Or no getting others to light. It wasn't that wasn't the point. It was your lighting. But it was your lighting that was lighting up the world, and and that stuck with me as a kid, and it was it was in high school that I saw that, and I always pined away for the for the time when I could do that in Eretz when when we lived uh, you know when I was in Kyle, so we did that, and then I always wanted to do that. And one time I came, I was in Eretz and I saw someone there, and I said, you know what, I'm just gonna buy it and bring it home, and I did, and I was there. For twenty years, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't my whole life, but it was a a long part of it. Uh, it was, it was at least, at least twenty years. Yeah, the uh, that that I lit outside, and that's what I felt when I lit. It it was it was that you know I'm I'm lighting up my life with this, 
And anybody who walks by or drives by, so then it's putting an idea in their head, their head also, and it's lighting up their life a little bit also. That's such a fascinating and amazing distinction between um, the two types of doing mitzvos with other people. Not to label one of them as there's no good and bad. I just the point is that there's two types. You can go out and do mitzvos with others and get them to do mitzvos and give them the opportunity to do a mitzvah they wouldn't have performed. Or you can do your mitzvah and include others in that. I think that, that Aaron, I think this was our whole approach to, to everything we did, which is not for today, but I think this is our, our whole approach for everything. That we, 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 we right. I'm we, experiencing that. Just because we also we I I know yes we won't we won't deep dive into this but I definitely felt that on Pesach was always our you always say it wasn't a Pesach class it was not a Seder class it was my experience the same way I experienced Yom Kippur under my talis and anybody who wants to hear and see can see go ahead but I'm not doing it for anybody I experience Pesach at my Seder and if you want to stay up till three o'clock in the morning with me. Kol ha kavod. That's it. Please do it with me, and that's that's amazing. So I've I've seen that in your mitzvah observance, and it's it's also um, a inspiring others. That's an important that's an important distinction, but also with your children with chinuch. That that a lot of your chinuch is not to get your child, your seven year old child, to do a mitzvah. It's to have them experience your mitzvah, and then one day they will do it as well. That's right. That's uh, that's it, and that's why that's if you don't show them the joy of you know wearing titus or, or performing mitzvos, where are they going to get that from? Just doing it alone. So I think both in inspiring others, but also I always take it back, basically because that's where where I'm where I am. I'm inspiring children, and that's where, with my family. So, um, it's also important with chinuch habanim as well. Right, and I think that that probably be a great episode on itself, of how to inspire other people including your children in, in observance of mitzvahs, what's the, what, what's the best way of doing that? All right. So you have what to come back for. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Around the Shabbos Table. And stay tuned for Torah Game Changers this week. I have a fascinating episode with Rabbi Ruvain Spolter. I'm really excited about it. The founder of Kita. You can learn all about Kita and the Mishnah Yomi pro- project that he's uh, founding and spearheading and just a really awesome an awesome rabbi and uh, a cool a cool cat so stay tuned for that and as always rock on my friends <laughs>